Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online and Play Action Pools. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron and start of the new football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest, the world's largest 200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at BetOnline. And make sure you head over to the website or use the mobile device and sign up today for 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager is refunded up to $25, 100%. For new customers only, by signing up using the promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. And exciting news our podcast is partnering with playactionpools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sports we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our playactionpools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up on our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at playactionpools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select 10 highest-profile games of the week between NFL and college football, and whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest Believe, B-L-E-A-V, Believe Football Pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, Pick'em, as well as cool sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. What up, Fantasy Focus Network family and TCK Potters? Guy and Bobby back with you with another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. This is episode 445. Today we are breaking down the league winners for the first 10 rounds. This entire last week and a half have been crazy. We've been doing bowl predictions. We've been doing my guys. We've been doing gamers. We've been doing must-have players, players we won't draft. And now we're going to give you the league winner for each of us in each of the first 10 rounds. Bob, super excited about this, man. This gives me a much better idea to look at ECR, ADP, look at my own rankings, see where I fit in, and really try to hone in on my guys on draft day. That's 100% a fact. I actually just brought this up pre-show. This was a good exercise because there was a couple names that get to that 7th, 8th, ninth round range that I haven't really thought too much about because I've been too focused on my guys. You know, like Tyler Boyd. But other than that, there's other guys going in that range that you have to pay attention to. So this gave me a little bit more time to look at those players. I think we got some great names today and a couple of guys, too, we'll talk about for later in the draft as well. But before we do that, we want to tell everybody and promote, we're super excited that Start Sits are back every Sunday morning live with Bucky and Ryan and me and Sky. We're going to have guests coming in. So make sure you're joining us every 10 a.m., to 1 p.m. Eastern and 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Pacific time before kickoff, guys. Three full hours of just straight start sit content. Any updates on weather to you know injuries, all that stuff is going to be all on our start sit live. And just to kind of get us excited and in the mood for you know that start sit questions. I've got a question for Sky. Sky, tell us what is your favorite flex draft pick of so far this year? Guys sitting in your flex that you think he's a locked-in guy for week one? I don't know that it's one particular guy, but a couple guys at different positions. I like having – like an, we're thinking like RB3s, wide receiver three, wide receiver fours. So I like having Raheem Mostert, Darrell Henderson if he falls that far, even your boy Melvin Gordon potentially if I can get good value on him as well. And then honestly looking at week one with DeAndre Swift, I kind of like Jamal Williams right now, even going up against my Niners. It's a tough matchup, but I like him in that slot if, if uh, Swift isn't ready to go. And then wide receivers, it's a clump. It's it's Chase Claypool. Uh, it's Robbie Anderson. It's it's potentially your boy Tyler Boyd. Um, Cortland Sutton falling there. Even A.B. as that flex right there. So I think there's a lot of options in the flex position. And obviously, if you're playing in deeper leagues with three wide receivers, it's a little deeper. But if you go in two and two, 
two wide receivers, two running backs. You can get away with a wide receiver three or running back three in your flex position. Obviously, super flex is going to be different. But if I have that uh, regular flex position, I like having a, a solid RB2, RB3, and then a wide receiver as well that's going to give me volume through the air and on the ground. And, of course, you always want that touchdown upside. All right, boys, just as a reminder, this question was brought to you by our own Start Sits for 2021. Make sure you're joining us every Sunday morning live. Bucky, Ryan, Sky, and I. Hey, it rhymes. I like it. But shout out to our boy, Will. What's up, man? And So tell the people, Tyna Sky, what we're doing today and kind of get us started with the league winners for 2021. All right, here we go. So we're going to do league winners for every round in the first 10 rounds. Bobby and I each have a player in rounds one through 10. We're going to cherry pick players that we like the most in those rounds that have league winning upside. Now, this is going to be tricky in the first couple of rounds because everybody in the first round is a stud. Everybody in the second round is a stud. By the time you get to the third and the fourth, most are studs, but then you start having some question marks. Fifth, sixth, seventh round, you start you know throwing some darts, but you're still pretty confident. Eight, nine, ten plus. That is really when you can start finding guys like Justin Jefferson, potentially, right? You can find a late round tight end. You can find maybe, you know, uh, uh, a quarterback that comes out of nowhere, right? Ryan Tannehill getting drafted in the middle rounds last year, finished number seven overall. You can start finding some gems when you really hone in on it. So we're going to look at each individual round. Bobby and I are going to cherry pick one guy from each round each, and we're going to give you our league winners. And this is based, a lot of this has to do with upside, obviously, in its best case scenario. But we're going to give a case for each of these players on why we believe it is possible. So, Bob, I'll let you kick it off here, man. Let's dump right into it here. Who was your league winner in the first round? And look, man, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Let's not beat around the bush. This is a lot of pressure on this one because we put yeah. this out in the air. A lot of people are going to be like, man, Bobby told me this dude was the best one I should pick. League winner in the first round. Who are you going with? So, first of all, shout out to Will. I want to tell you this is a great episode to join because me and Sky are break down our league winners by round. And some of these guys you can consistently get in the latter half of the round. So, let's t- let's break it down. My guy is Austin Eckler. And when you're drafting in the first round, I understand a lot of people say you can, you can definitely lose your league if you make the wrong picks. But it's really hard to win it. But there's one guy outside of CMC and Kamara, by the way, who can offer you 100 target potential. There's only three of them. And the other guy is Austin Eckler. And the reason why Austin Eckler is my league winner is because to, to in order to get a league winner in the first round, you need a guy who's going to outproduce, you know, 16 points per game, which is like Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb area last year. Guys that are going to get up to Derrick Henry, which is that benchmark of 20 points per game. But even higher than that is like Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, and even higher is CMC. The only guy that has proven he can do it is Austin Eckler. In the weeks one through four of 2019, before Melvin Gordon came back from his uh, suspension, we saw it firsthand. Eckler averaged 24.3 points per game in half-point PPR. He was right behind CMC. Not even Kamara was averaging 24 points last year in half-point PPR. That's how big-time Austin Eckler was in that four-game stretch without Melvin Gordon. Now, listen, Joe Lombardi's offenses, we talked about this. In 2019, 16, the second year of this, or 2015, the second year with the offense, that Theo Riddick had 99 targets. The year prior, three running backs had 50 targets. Three different running backs had 50 targets. So it's going to be a thing where Austin Eckler could easily be the number two pass catcher behind Keenan Allen. But even last season in 2020, just break it down. He had 10 full games. So in the, if you remove, I'm sorry, he had nine full games. In the 10th game, he actually left early. He only played 6% of the snaps. If you take out that one game, his average points per game jumps to 15.2. That would have been tied with Joe Mixon as the RB10 last year in points per game and half-point PPR. So we already see that top 10 upside. But the best part about Austin Eckler was last season, he hit 14 points per game, which is the great benchmark, in six of his nine games. So he offers you a great floor because he's getting all that passing work. So I just think that... If the, if the touchdowns start com, uh, coming along a little bit, if Justin Herbert takes the next step in his second season, I can see Austin Eckler being a big-time league winner in 2021. I totally agree with you. He's my number six running back. Bucky disagrees, as we know from yesterday's My Guy episode with our gamers. It was somebody Bucky's not willing to draft. I love Austin Eckler. The only concern is the touchdowns, but hopefully with Lombardi, he gets that Camara upside. Love me some Austin Eckler. I totally agree. All right, let me get into my first one here. And I'm going to go with my league winner in the first round, and that is my boy, Tay 
Adams, one of my favorite players in the entire NFL, carried my league to a championship in two of the last three seasons, outscored Tyreek Hill by 30 PPR fantasy points and four PPR fantasy points per game in one less game. He outscored Stephon Diggs last year by 30 PPR fantasy points and five PPR fantasy points per game in two less games. So he outscored Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs by 30 fantasy points in one game less than Tyreek Hill and two games less than Stephon Diggs. He has two more PPR fantasy points per game than Michael Thomas did in 2019 in that incredible record-breaking season. Everyone remembers Devontae Adams was two points more per game in average. He was first in target share last year, first in red zone targets, first in yards after catch, which it was a surprising stat to me, first in total touchdowns at the wide receiver position, first in fantasy points per game among wide receivers, first in yards per route run, first in fantasy points per route run. And this is a gut call, not quite a stat, but something that I just feel is real. The last dance, quote unquote, situation with him and Rodgers, with Rodgers moving on definitely next year. Tay Adams might as well if they don't franchise tag him. If they're leaving and this is the last chance to do it, I don't put it past Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams to have 170, 200 targets. I know it sounds insane. He was on pace for 170-plus last year, and he missed a game, uh, two games there. So 170, 200 targets, just to prove a point from Rodgers. He's my number five player overall in PPR, especially. You got the big four running backs, in my opinion, CMC, Cook, Kamara, and Zeke. But I'm going to take Tay Adams above Henry, above Eckler, above Kelsey, definitely above Hill as well. So Devontae Adams in the first round there is my pick every time. If I don't have a top four pick, I'm going Devontae Adams, absolutely. Yeah, it, he's awesome. I mean, last year he averaged 21.6 <laughs> points per game at half point PPR. That doesn't sound like a like, oh, yeah, you have to go down 2.6 points per game just to get down to Tyree Kill. And you have to go down almost five full points and, per game just to get to Stefan Diggs. And, like, and but. And Bob, I'll, I'll I'll just add this really quick before I let you get in your second guy, Travis Kelsey. Uh, the quarterback is wishy washy, so we'll see what happens in, in the next couple of years. But tight end has been Travis Kelsey. Wide receiver has been uh, Devonte Adams over the last couple of years in points per game, but he can't play a full, hasn't played a full season so far. When you have a separator by two, three, four points per game at a particular position, it's just such a massive upside on a weak opportunity. And we know he's not a big play guy. He had 1,900 air yards in 2018. Last year, he had 1,300, 600 less air yards, and he had his best season with Aaron Rodgers. If he goes up to like 1,600 air yards, starts airing it out more, which they could do, and the touchdowns stay where they're at in double digits, forget about it, man. He could be an absolute, absolute league winner. I'm taking him fifth overall every time. Yeah, and let's jump it over to my number round two guy, and that's A.J. Brown. And there's a lot of chatter. People have talked about, oh, yeah, Stephon Diggs might be able to become the number one overall wide receiver. I'm like, there's no shot. I'm sorry. The guy had 160 <laughs> targets last year, and he was five points per game less than Adams. He doesn't offer the same elite touchdown ceiling of a guy like Adams. So you know who does? It's A.J. Brown. The only element missing from A.J. Brown's game is volume. And this season, there's some things that are going to start opening up for A.J. Brown. Number one, in my opportunity analysis, I talk about new available targets. It's a combination of historical dropbacks from the coordinator and the available targets on the team. With Todd Downing now coming in, he's a little more pass-heavy than Arthur Smith was. They're calling for 281 new available targets. Now, you throw a buck 25 to Julio, you still got 150 or so targets available. So I looked at this last season. This is the baseline for A.J. Brown. When he got back from his injury, it started in week five. He comes back. He averages 7.5 targets per game. In the 7.5 targets per game, he turned it to 15.5 points per game. Just on 7.5 targets. Outrageous. So if you look at Todd Downing's one season in 2017 as the offensive coordinator for the Raiders, Michael Crabtree and, and Amari Cooper – when they were healthy, averaged 7.8 point uh, targets per game. So right there, we've already seen Todd Downing support two receivers that were fantasy relevant but gave him more targets than what A.J. Brown got last year. However, because of all these additional opportunities, I just said to myself, what if A.J. Brown averages just one more target per game? That's it, just one. If he plays the full 16, which is last year, I know 17 this year, but last year he plays the full 16 games, he would add 88 receptions, 
1,534 yards, 14 touchdowns, and he would add 17.5 points per game on 137 targets. That is outrageous. Listen, just to put it into perspective, Devontae Adams averaged 149 targets in just 14 games. He's only had 137 targets in 16 games, and he's at 17.5. If A.J. Brown can take the next step in his target volume, he is the only receiver not named Devontae Adams that can definitely lead the league in fantasy points. Tyreek Hill can't do it. I'm sorry. He does not offer the same. We've seen his ceiling last year. He's not going to get any better. I think A.J. Brown's the only guy that can flirt with that 20 points per game if the volume's there. I don't expect it to, but that's why he's still my top uh, number five receiver in fantasy. I think Stephon Diggs might have an opportunity as well if they continue that up, but I hear you on A.J. Brown. Another guy with a similar conversation is my round two league winner, and that's D.K. Metcalf. I think the only the only thing that you might be kind of like hesitant with D.K. is just volume because of the Seattle Seahawks offense every season. But D.K. improved by 25 reception on 30 more targets, 400 more yards, and three more touchdowns from his rookie year to last year as a sophomore. Weeks one through nine, when Russ was cooking and all was good for fantasy football with the Seattle Seahawks, in weeks one through nine, DK Metcalf was the wide receiver three in PPR with 21 fantasy points per game, which was actually second behind only Devontae Adams. A 16-game pace of the weeks one through nine would have been 136 targets, 85 receptions, 1,576 yards, and 16 touchdowns which would have been good for wide receiver two overall, wide receiver three, and PPR fantasy points per game behind only Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. He went from wide receiver two to wide receiver 10 in PPR fantasy points per game last year in the second half because they started running the ball more, yada, yada. I don't think that happens again. I know they had some changes with the offensive coordinator. Russ is obviously frustrated. He had vented that this year. Um, I like DK Metcalf significantly more than Tyler Lockett. I've mentioned that quite a bit. And I think Seattle is going to have to keep up now with three incredible offenses and defenses overall in their division this year. I don't think Pete Carroll is going to have a chance. They're going to have to air it out. They're going to have to rely on some defense, which the Seahawks might have the worst defense now in the division. I think Russ tries to cook all season long. That helps out DK Metcalf, and therefore he is my round two league winner. And look, man, I have DK Metcalf one above A.J. Brown, but Chris Benavides, our good brother from the commission FFP, he and I have been going back and forth with A.J. Brown and DK Metcalf. They're side by side. I love them both. But I think Julio takes away more potentially from A.J. Brown than Ryan Tannehill than Tyler Lockett might from uh, Russell Wilson this year. I'm going to give D.K. the edge. But both these guys, man, if they get their full potential, both these guys could be top three, top five. And I will take that in the second round all day long. Yeah, the only thing I have to say about DK that worries me is the change in offensive philosophy. I think it takes a, a year at least for an offense in the past game to really hit its stride. So I think that might be some disruption there, but I think he's locked and loaded. I mean, he's an absolute stud. So I, I agree. But this brings me to my third round player, and I, it's kind of funny. I am ridiculously high on guys like Amari Cooper and Cooper Cup, but there's one guy that I cannot take them over, um, and that's Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin is just been a, a consistent top 20 receiver with just complete garbage at quarterback. Now, this isn't just like you want to. I would love to start bringing up some stats about Terry McLaurin. But when you look at the quarterbacks, Alex Smith last year, basically coming back from his ridiculous leg injury, he just really didn't check downs. I mean, J.D. McKissick had over 100 targets. Logan Thomas. His ADOT was like six. It was six yards. It wasn't really great for receivers to push the ball downfield. However, this is going to be his second year in a Scott Turner scheme. And I've talked about this a bunch of times. Last season, on the episode yesterday, I brought this up with Amari Cooper. Last season, five of the six teams that had the same coach and the same going into their second year with the same quarterback saw an increase of uh, five of the six saw an increase in their points per game for the wide receiver ones. Now, I know I know Ryan Fitzpatrick is not there last year, but the point is when these receivers hit their second season, this is where you see the most growth. And that's what Terry McLaurin's happening right now with Scott Turner. Plus, we saw with DJ Moore just two years ago in 2018, we see that higher target ceiling. Now with a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's going to throw the ball 
to his receivers. If you look at his 2018 with Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson, remember like the chain, the beard, he had the open shirt, like the swag. That's because he was dropping bombs to Deshaun Jackson, who since can't stay healthy. But the point is he's going to hyper-target and push the ball downfield. But let's break down Devontae Parker. This is the guy I want everyone to think about. Devontae Parker in 2019 was a bust. He was going into the season. No one wanted him. And then insert Ryan Fitzpatrick. And what does Ryan Fitzpatrick do? He gets named the full-time starter in week seven. From week seven on, Devontae Parker, who was a career bust, averaged 15.4 points per game and was the wide receiver four over that stretch. 15.4 points per game would have been the wide receiver four in 2020. That's what Ryan Fitzpatrick did for a guy like Devontae Parker, who has since not never been good without Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now you infuse that with Terry McLaurin. You add in the fact that Curtis Samuel has not been healthy all offseason. You also talk about guys like Humphreys, which is a nice slot receiver, but he's not going to demand targets. De'Ami Brown, I know he's your boy, but I think he's going to be the wide receiver four. So I think that Terry McLaurin has a shot here to be more than just a mid-range wide receiver too. I think because of Ryan Fitzpatrick, we could see Devontae Parker as upside in 2021. Man, Terry McLaurin is another one of these wide receivers that you're just you're waiting for the full potential you know that there's more in the tank maybe it comes out this year dk metcalf aj brown terry mclaurin each of these guys has more in the tank we know can be unleashed let's let him go for fantasy football all right my third round league winner is my man george kittle now this one's tough man because (laughs) everyone knows that george kittle if not for travis kelsey would be travis kelsey if he were healthy and now of course we have darren waller He has 15.6 PPR fantasy points in eight games last year, which was tight end three per game. So even though he played half a season, he was still tight end three in points per game behind Kelsey and Waller. In 2019, he had 16 PPR fantasy points per game, which tied him exactly with Travis Kelsey for the tight end one. But again, he missed a couple of games. Travis Kelsey ends up outpacing him in total points, but per game, He was number three last year, and he was tight end one, tied with Travis Kelsey in 2019. Now, a lot of people are thinking this is the Brandon Ayuk argument. This is Debo Samuel argument. It's also the George Kittle argument, but we've talked a lot about Debo and Ayuk. We haven't talked much about Kittle for some reason. Kittle actually wins out when you think about the three guys playing together last year. Now, it was minimal. It was only a couple of games because everybody was beat up for the 49ers last year, but when they all played together, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel. The target share leaned to George Kittle, 24% target share for George Kittle. 23 for Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel all the way down at 17 and a half. So George Kittle has that lead there. He's never been a big touchdown guy. I mentioned early this summer that George Kittle's kind of the Julio Jones of tight ends, right? Like, you know he could be the number one tight end overall which Julio could have been the number one wide receiver over AB all those years if he were healthy and caught the touchdowns. Kittle doesn't catch the touchdowns. Julio didn't either. Kittle's always banged up. So was Julio. Very physical. So is Julio. So I I think George Kittle can stay healthy if he stays healthy. With Jimmy, he's fine. With Trey Lance, he might even be better because of this offense in general, in my opinion. I'm okay with George Kittle. I'll take him again in the third round. You might be drafting him at his ceiling, quote-unquote, because of the tight end position, but when he's healthy, he's a difference maker. Last year missed half a season. Hopefully he gives us back 14, 15 games at least this year. If he's able to do that, George Kittle can be a league winner because we know how important Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, George Kittle, Logan Thomas, Robert Tunyon, TJ Hawkinson, these top tight ends per game are difference makers on the week, and the elite ones like Kittle can be league winners as well. Agreed. So let's talk now. If you're in draft mode and you're not, and you're looking for league winners, and you're going to be drafting this weekend, and you're doing it in person, this is your last call to do it with DraftWithRedZone.com. Listen, use that promo code TCK and you get 10% off your order today. They slashed their prices. The end of the draft season is now only ninety dollars for their whole entire package. Use that promo code TCK. You get it down to eighty. This isn't just a draft board. You're also getting cheat sheets from fantasypoints.com. You're also getting a championship ring, which is the coolest part with the engraved case. You get a last place sign. You can make the guy who lost last year wear, put whatever you want on it. You also get cheat sheets from fantasypoints.com. And as a reminder, all of the draft boards sold, they donate $5 to youth sports programs. So it goes to a really good cause. So make sure that if you guys are going to draft this weekend or heading into next week, 
in person. Make sure you do it. DraftTheRedZone.com and use that promo code TCK. Now, guy, Sky, Sky, now kick us off into the fourth round. Who's your league winner in the fourth? Kyler Murray is my fourth round league winner. And I went in on Kyler Murray yesterday, so I'm going to save a lot of those stats because you already heard a bunch of them. But two jumped off the page for me that I got to repeat. Fourth round, you're getting your top quarterback. Patrick Mahomes goes in the third. Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen are going earlier as well. Kyler Murray, before his shoulder injury in Week 10 versus the Seahawks, Kyler Murray put up 21.5 more fantasy points than Josh Allen at QB2 in the first 10 games of the season, despite already having his bye week in Week 8. And he ranked 12th in fantasy points on purely rushing production among all players over that first half of the season. He averaged 9.7 carries in weeks 1 through 10 and 6.6 during the final seven games when he was hurt. Totally different quarterback. If he were to stay on pace of those first 10 games, he would have broken records all across the board for the quarterback position, which Mahomes did, Lamar Jackson did, Josh Allen did. Kyler Murray is up in that upper echelon right now. He's going as the third or fourth quarterback off the board. He's my quarterback one heading into the season, and yesterday I put him down as my gamer, a.k.a. my guy for the season at the quarterback position. He is my dog, Kyler Murray. Love it. I've been really watching these these quarterbacks, those Kyler Murray, Josh Allen here, see which guy falls, and maybe I can scoop a guy up later in the fifth round. But my fourth round guy is Deontay Johnson. And this is a very simple concept. Number one, when you look at Ben Roethlisberger, his tendencies, he's hyper-targeted and elite number one wide receiver since Antonio Brown days. And if people don't think Deontay Johnson was filling that role last year, well, he was. Last season, if you look at the 12 full games that he played, so now a lot of people don't realize he left two games really early last year. In the 12 full games that he played, he had 132 targets. Okay, that's 11 targets per game. Their only other receiver that was getting that level of targets per game basis was Devontae Adams. So right there, you're seeing that elite ceiling that he has for all that target potential. In those games, he averaged 14 points per game. 14 points per game would put him right at the wide receiver 12 position last year, up there with guys like Keenan Allen and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. However, what about the drops? The drops are key. So first off, when you look at this, I looked at the last 10 years since 2011, there were 60 players who had double-digit drops in a season, okay? So I wanted to take a look to see if it's sticky. Of course, you hear it's not, but I wanted to actually look at the numbers. So 60 players over the last 10 years had double-digit drops. They averaged 11.5 drops in that season. The next season, after that double-digit drop season, they had six. So they saw their drops get cut in half from 11.5 to six. So what happens if Deontay Johnson, who had 14 drops last year, if he drops it down to, let's say, eight or seven in that range, based on his points per tar- uh, fantasy points per reception that he gets, he would get another 0.7 points per game. Now you're talking about a player who has 14.7 points per game. That's DeAndre Hopkins numbers. Now Hopkins is going in the second round. Deontay Johnson's going in the fourth, fifth round in most drafts, which is why Deontay Johnson, in my opinion, is an absolute league winner for 2021. Let's talk a little bit what about other sponsors. It's Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. If you've been watching the TCK uh, podcast on the Fantasy Football Network, we've been breaking down the hot topic of the day. And the hot topic for today is Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. Make sure you seek thespice.com. If you use that promo code TCK, you get 10% off your order. So make sure you go to seekthespice.com. Try the Mui Mui. Or the original. So you'll get great options. The Mui Mui is the really spicy kind. But guys, listen, I've tried it live on air. You can check that out from a couple weeks ago. So make sure you're looking at that as well. And also, if you guys are looking for advanced stats for the upcoming season, we have a great partner, and it's called Expand the Box Score. Now, for people that love PFF, there's advanced people that are willing to drop $200, $300, $400 for advanced stats. That's not everyone. So if you guys are interested in learning where we get a lot of our data, try expand the box score. Now, if you use the promo code TCK, you get $5 off and a four-day free trial. Expand the box score is only $25 for the season. You're getting things like contested catches, routes run, broken tackles, missed tackles, a lot of things you can't get 
on an individual site for free. But you can get this at an extremely affordable rate at Expand the Box Score for just $20 if you use that promo code TCK. And if you don't like it after the four-day free trial, you can cancel at any time. So just make sure if you guys are willing to take the take the next step and you're interested in looking at some advanced data, go to expandtheboxscore.com. I'm going to stick with the Steelers here. Deontay Johnson's my guy too, but I'm going to stick with another one there and go with Chase Claypool. Now, for me, Chase Claypool does not have the consistency of Deontay Johnson or even Juju Smith-Schuster potentially, but he has bigger upside, in my opinion, than both of them, and he has bigger play opportunity and maybe touchdown upside than both of them as well. And Ben Roethlisberger looks much better than I think any of us expected coming into the season with the new offensive regime there in Pittsburgh. Chase Claypool had 100 targets from week five on, not the entire season, week five on, he had 100 targets. 14.3 yards per reception was the best on the team. He caught nine passes of 20 yards or more, and he was third in the league in deep targets with 33. He was ninth in air yards with 1,448 and fifth in receiving touchdowns with 11, and we know that he ran one in as well, part of that four-touchdown game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Chase Claypool is a huge play waiting to happen. They use him all over the field. They can put him in the slot, put him on the outside. Big Ben's always been willing to chuck it up back to the days of, you know, Emmanuel Sanders and, uh, you know, Heinz Ward and um, obviously Antonio Brown, Mike Wallace. So I think that Martavis Bryant. So now that guy, I think, in my opinion, the chuck it guy is Chase Claypool. Very, very athletic and large. He is my fifth round league winner. You know what? I, you're going to be surprised about my round five league winner because I've been talking about Melvin Gordon for weeks. It's Javante Williams. Nice. Um, one of the things I, I have, come around. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. I am not taking a lot of Javante Williams. And honestly, I'm not. I, I just think there's other guys in that range that I like um, that I feel more confident in. But if we're going to talk about pure upside, it's Javante Williams. Number one, I wrote an article earlier in the offseason called Pat Shermer's Love for the RBBC. It was basically all sarcasm. Uh, you'll realize that in this in this analysis, I break down Pat Shermer as an offensive coordinator and head coach since 2009 and how many running backs he had in that span. So 2009 and 2010, he had Steven Jackson as his running back. Steven Jackson, those seasons, averaged 20.6 and 21.6. Okay, 2011, he gave post-batting-covered Peyton Hillis 16.1 touches per game. You drop down to Trent Richardson, the bust he was, 17.8. LaShawn McCoy, 19 touches per game, and so on. You go all the way down. You got seasons with Dalvin Cook, the rookie season, 18.5 touches in the first four games before he got hurt. Barkley, 16 uh, touches per game with Pat Shermer. The point of all this was if you average out all the RB1s in the offenses with Pat Shermer, they averaged 17.1 touches per game under Pat Shermer. So I just think that if you're looking at a guy – who technically, let's say Melvin Gordon doesn't have it. What if Melvin Gordon, which I don't believe this is true, but if, what if Melvin Gordon is this year's Mark Ingram, where Mark Ingram just kind of just hit a cliff and he's done. Granted, Mark Ingram was 31 last year and Melvin Gordon's 28. But Javante Williams has shown things that we like out of a rookie. Number one, he's great in pass pro. He picked up some good blitzes in the preseason. He's Also, also he was rested the last preseason game, which means that this offense, this coaching staff feels very comfortable with him. They just let go of Royce Freeman with Mike Boone also hurt, which is interesting because now it seems like it's Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon only. So I just think that if, for example, Javante Williams over down the stretch overtakes a guy like Melvin Gordon completely, he offers you some legit league winning upside. And honestly, I'm, I might be on a, I'm going on a limb here. I think for dynasty purposes, I like him more than Harris because he has a clearer picture and younger talent around him. Big Ben might be gone. Who's the quarterback for the Steelers? Bad offensive line. Maybe Williams down the road is the better pick. Najee Harris was another one of my gamers, so I'm going to stick with Najee, but I do not dislike the take. Bobby, all summer long when I was doing rookie redraft, uh, rookie dynasty drafts, I was hoping to get a top four pick because you know Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts were in the mix too, but it was Najee Harris and it was Javante Williams, and I wanted to make sure I got at least one of those four, usually Javante Williams in the four spot. I totally agree with you. I've been singing his praises all summer long, man. I'm really excited that you've caught up, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm good on that for sure. Okay, let's go with my sixth round guy here, and that is going to be Dak Prescott. Now, 
total honesty here, I almost made Dak Prescott my gamer for the quarterback position yesterday. Uh, Kyler Murray just was my guy because I want to put him at number one. I've been flirting with Dak Prescott at number one, too. The only reason I'm not going to do it is because I want to make sure he's 100% on that ankle from last year, which he looks just fine. Uh, hard knocks, obviously, but everything else. I mean, like he looks the part, and I think he will be a top three quarterback this year. I almost made him a gamer, but I went with Kyler Murray instead. Now, as I mentioned yesterday, when I was diving into CeeDee Lamb, another one of my gamers, they get all three of their top offensive linemen back. This is huge for Dak. Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, Lyle Collins missed 36 combined games last year. That is definitely going to help keep Dak Prescott clean. This is year two of CeeDee Lamb. Amari Cooper and Zeke should bounce back from their down seasons last year, which still weren't terrible, but they weren't to the pedigree in which we're used to Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott. Blake Jarwin, who was lost for the season last year, he's back. He was a breakout guy for everyone in the tight end position last year. Got hurt in preseason or week one. He's back. Dalton Schultz stepped up admirably. Top 12 tight end with Dak last year as well. He's back also. And let's not forget about my man, Michael Gallup as well. So if Dak Prescott can get back to, you know, he averaged six rushing touchdowns the first three years of his career, three, two years ago. And then last year, of course, he got hurt, but he still had three rushing touchdowns over the first five games. So if he can give us three to six, probably six rushing touchdowns on top of what should be close to 4,500, maybe even 5,000 passing yards in the 17 game season, which we know he was on pace for 6,000 last year. 35, 40 touchdowns. Dak Prescott should be top three. If he can stay healthy, he's got kind of a, a subtle rushing floor. Dak's my man, and he is going at the back of all these top quarterbacks. He's the last one usually taken, unless you consider Justin Herbert in the mix. But of the big four or five, Dak's the last one taken. And if I don't get Kyler Murray, I'm immediately ready to go for Dak Prescott. Absolutely. Agree. Second year leap, guys. I'm not I'm not joking. This is the only time you can bank on growth in the passing game is the second year in a scheme. This is the second year with Mike McCarthy, his third with Kellen Moore. I'm telling you this by the Cowboys and by all those teams in the second year of their schemes. All right. My sixth round guy is somebody that for some reason just keeps falling. And now he's going into the <laughs> sixth round. It's Daryl Henderson. Okay. Daryl Henderson. I understand the injury concerns. Okay. Cam Akers last year got hurt. Not once but twice in his rookie season. He missed time for two different injuries last season, but we were comfortable drafting Cam Akers in the first round. Now, Daryl Henderson is going in the sixth round, and we're scared off because he hurt his thumb. Okay, guys, listen. Not trying to be a jerk, but come on. It's a thumb injury for a running back, number one. Number two, if you feel that confident about Cam Akers, you cannot say you're scared off by Daryl Henderson's injuries because Cam Akers couldn't stay healthy last year. So I just took this. Let's forget about all that. The offense, the opportunity. First of all, number one, the Rams under Sean McVay have led the NFL in on uh, carries inside the five on average over the last four seasons at 27 carries inside the five on average. That is insane amount of opportunity. This is coming from Sean McVay. That's gonna now you have Matthew Stafford and company. I just feel like you're gonna have a guy like Daryl Henderson. He is a great threat for double digit touchdowns. Now, also, I looked into it deeper. Last year, he only had five games where he actually saw 14 touches or more. The interesting thing about those games, he averaged 15.1 points per game in those contests. That would have been the RB12 last year in fantasy points per game. So right there, it shows you that this guy offers you some great upside RB1 numbers when he got higher volume. That, to me, screams a guy who can win your league who's going in the sixth round. Sky bailed on him. Sky had a T-shirt, a hat, Daryl Henderson, <laughs> sleeper, and then he gets the starting job, and Sky's like, oh, oh, I don't like him that much. So, Sky, come back to reality. Daryl Henderson could be a league winner this year. Yeah, I, I don't disagree necessarily, and I did have him as my deep sleeper when we covered the NFC West early on this summer before it was days before cam Akers got hurt. And he was my deep sleeper at that time going like the 13th round or something stupid. Now, like, look, I don't mind drafting him, but I'm taking him in probably the seventh, sixth, maybe. But in my opinion, you know, like, look, your guy, Sony Michelle, I don't even believe in Sony Michelle, but he's there. They cut Xavier Jones, which helps a little bit, but either way, I mean, I just want to make sure he's hundred percent healthy can stay healthy, and then get all that work. I'm totally fine, though, with him as my, what, he's probably going to be your RB2, 
two at worst, maybe RB3. He's my RB3. I'm absolutely stoked about that. All right, we got a lot of activity in the chat room here. So, Bob, I'm going to give you a second to tune in with everybody in the chat room, and I'm going to take a second here and give a shout-out to our friends at the Jersey Jungle. Big up our man Trenton, man. He's been working real hard this summer for me and the rest of the Candlestick Kids. He's got a lot of orders coming in here, and we're just so thankful that he's staying up to date with us. And make sure that you also claim your guys. Get your jersey, whatever sport. Obviously, it's football, fantasy football. But look, I'm also a baseball nerd. If you're a basketball guy, you're a soccer guy, you're a hockey person, whatever it is, feel free to go to the Jersey Jungle. DM them on Instagram, at the Jersey Jungle. Use the promo code TCK to receive 10% off of one or two jerseys, 15% off of three plus jerseys. NFL.com, MLB.com, NBA.com, NHL.com. They have these jerseys for $120, $150, $180, depending on the style. The hockey jerseys are much more because they have the longer sleeves, more material. It's going to cost you more money. You go to the Jersey Jungle, it's literally half the price. And these are not knockoffs. They're not from overseas. These are from right here. These are incredible jerseys. They're high quality. They're stitch and twill. They're not going to come off in the dryer. You can see behind me, once again, I've got Colin Kaepernick. I've got Justin Herbert up today, but I swap them out every single week. I've got a ton of jerseys, more in the mail. Hit up a boy Trenton at the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. Use the promo code TCK for 10% off of one or two jerseys, 15% off of three. All right. Bob, let's get into your next round here and get into our seventh round. Now, this is where we start looking in the drafts, man. This is like we've gone through our first six rounds. We're feeling good about our team. Pretty much no matter what in the first six rounds, you're feeling good. You feel really good. Maybe you have a, you know, kind of a, a, a guy in there that you may be like, eh, I hope he stays healthy, whatever. But look, six or seven through 10, this is where we can start winning leagues because they're separators if they can come up. Stefan Diggs last year, seventh, eighth round draft capital. It, you had Justin Jefferson in the 11th round last year. Late round tight ends all the time. Middle round, late round quarterbacks always come up here. Handcuff running backs. Who is your guy in the seventh round that is your league winner for this season? I don't know how this happened, but Trey Sermon might be one of my most owned players in fantasy. True, true. Um, I have taken him in the seventh round all the time. He's going behind Raheem Moser, which makes sense. We kind of know that Raheem's going to be dominating touches, especially early. But Trey Sermon to me is someone where if I filled up my flex spots, I have a comfortable couple RBs, a couple wide receivers, and I'm going to wait for my tight end and quarterback. This is like my ideal seventh round pick. Trey Sermon offers amazing upside because – the Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan situation, I'm sorry, has looked like a running back by committee, but it's really not. Listen, the last few seasons, Matt Breida in 2018, Tevin Coleman in 2019, Raheem Mostert in 2020, the guys that were supposed to be the guys all end up getting hurt. And next thing you know, the guys are banged up. Another guy comes in, they perform well, and all of a sudden it gets all jumbled. Trey Sermon was drafted. And first of all, when we talk about draft capital, the third round draft capital matters. It does give him a much better hit rate long term, which I like. But when you look at Trey Sermon, he offers Kyle Shanahan that elite number one bell cow back. Listen, his first season in 2017, Kyle Shanahan gave 299 touches to a guy named Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde has not been close to that since, but Carlos Hyde finishes the RB9 that season. Now look at the rookies under the Kyle Shanahan tree. So Kyle Shanahan, 2008, he gave Steve Slayton his Steve Slayton. His rookie season, a boatload of work. He finishes the RB8 that year. The next uh, 2011, one of his first seasons with his dad in the for the Washington football team, 200 touches to Roy Hallou. Now, in 2012, the biggest of them all, the biggest one of all is Alf Morris, baby. Alf Morris, 2012 undrafted free agent, drops an RB6 on us as a rookie. So it shows that Kyle Shanahan will play the best guys. He's given plenty of young guys, even Matt Breida in his second season, Raheem Moster, a journeyman backup, you know, special teams guy. He's given guys who are the best on the field the, the actual work. That's why I think Trey Sermon in the seventh round to me is someone that, number one, I don't need week one. In the seventh round, he's going to be on my bench. So in that case, I could put him on my bench, see what happens, and let him grow into his role and not rely on week one, which makes him my league winner in the seventh round. Ooh, I love it. One of my must-have players was Raheem Mostert. A lot of the same reasons here, but if he goes down for any reason or just fades out in the second half, Trey Sermon is that guy, absolutely. All right, I'm going to go with a familiar name, an oldie but goodie here. In the seventh round, my league winner is good old Antonio 
Bowman Brown. Here's the deal. I don't need to tell you about any of Antonio Brown's history. If you played any fantasy football, unless last year was your first season, you know all about AB. So I'm not going to go over what he has been for fantasy, but I'll just kind of speculate on last year with his first year with Tom Brady and the Bucks. 16 game pace of last year's production from week nine on would have been 120 targets, 90 receptions, 960 receiving yards, and eight touchdowns. Or wide receiver 16 last year, right behind one fantasy point behind Amari Cooper. Everybody's good to draft with Amari Cooper. You were happy with Amari Cooper, even though he fell off a cliff, unfortunately, with Dak Prescott, but still finished in middle to upper echelon wide receiver two numbers. Antonio Brown had the same efficiency as well. He was the wide receiver 21 in PPR fantasy points per game from from week nine on last year, which included his first game back after an eight-game suspension. So he had to knock off the rush there, working with Tom Brady all over again, working in a new offense, doing all those things. And he had just three targets in week 12 versus Kansas City, who we then ripped up in the Super Bowl. So A.B. is still A.B. Bobby and I have been over the age analysis. He's right on that level. But for better or worse, he had about a year and a half away from football for his body and his mind, it was definitely what he needed. A.B. is ready to go. He's ready to prove something, go after another ring. I would not be surprised, Bobby, if Antonio Brown is the leading fantasy wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. I mean, the guy came off the street, dusted himself off, and it was a top 24 wide receiver. So, I mean, if you can't – right there, he's going way after that. So, I mean, at this point, you know he could offer you top 24 upside behind Evans and Godwin. You might as well. Great call, Sky, in the seventh round. In the eighth round, it's a guy that's really rising, and I really bought in. I talked about him yesterday on our Gamers episode, and it's Corey Davis. And I broke this down yesterday, but really, when you look at the lineage of Corey Davis, I talked about his college years at Western Michigan. The guy leads the NCAA in career receiving yards. He was an absolute monster, over 5,000 receiving yards. He became a top-five pick because of it. It took him a couple years to kind of grow into his role A.J. Brown really helped take attention off him. But last year, he took a huge leap. In minimum of 50 targets, he was fourth in the NFL in yards per target, fifth in yards per route run. And when you combine all his efficiency metrics, when it comes to fantasy points per team dropback, included in those metrics, he was the eighth best receiver on an efficiency basis last year. It's a very similar situation that we saw with Stephon Diggs. He was very efficient with the Vikings, but he finally got the volume. I think that's going to happen here with Corey Davis. Then also Matt LaFleur was his OC in 2018. Now he plays for his brother, Mike LaFleur, for the Jets. So there's familiarity with the system, which I like for Mike uh, for Corey Davis's transition into the Jets because he already kind of knows the offense. And then, of course, the preseason. On 20 attempts from Zach Wilson, 10 of them have gone to Corey Davis. It just shows that this guy is going to have a significant role as the number one receiver. And finally, we talk about Kyle Shanahan all the time. Mike LaFleur comes from Kyle Shanahan, those ex-receivers, big seasons. Julio Jones, 200 targets in 2015. Pierre Garçon, he also had 180 targets one season with Kyle Shanahan. We just know this system loves to feature their ex-receiver, which is why Corey Davis is my league winner in the eighth round. I like it, man. I have been down on Corey Davis like everybody else in fantasy football, but he definitely impressed last year. We'll see what happens, man. And and if he gets hyper-targeted like he did in preseason from Zach Wilson, it's going to be nice. And again, we're getting to just everybody now is great value with these particular people and, and their circumstances. Antonio Brown, Corey Davis, I love that. My eighth-round league winner is Matt Stafford. If you wait on quarterback and you don't get Kyler Murray, you don't get Josh Allen, right? You don't get Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott. You're still able to get, I think, who a guy who has top six QB upside, he doesn't have he doesn't have top 3 like guaranteed upside because of the rushing ability but I think Matt Stafford could go absolutely nuts this year in just throwing the ball because of his opportunity and potential. In 2019, he finished QB 29 in 8 games played but was the QB 4 in fantasy points per game behind only Lamar Jackson, who was number one on the season, Deshaun Watson, who was number five, Dak Prescott, who was number two, and he was number two in fantasy points per game behind only Dak Prescott at the time of Stafford's injury. So in that first eight games, he was the quarterback number two, and overall he finished still quarterback number four behind only Jackson, Watson, and Prescott. So Matt Stafford can certainly get it done. 
And I've mentioned, I talked a while back here, I did a player spotlight earlier in the summer, and I talked about Matt Stafford. And there were a few things that I wanted to just highlight here about his growth from the Lions over to the Rams. In 2000, uh, oh, in 2019, again, he finished QB number two. He's also switching divisions. So the opponent pass rush rankings from the a- NFC North with the Lions to the NFC West, right? He has the best team with the pass rushing, which is the Rams at third. Otherwise, the Cardinals are 21st, the Seahawks are 26th, the Niners are 29th. Obviously, they'll get better with Bosa coming back and Watt improves the Cardinals, but he's getting out of the division with the Bears at four, Packers at 15, and the uh, Minnesota Vikings, who can only go up. The O-line rankings per pro football focus, the Lions were 13th, the Rams third. Pass blocking win rate, seventh for the Rams, 20th for the Lions. Team scoring over the last three seasons, the Rams 11th in the NFL on average, the Lions 21st. And then you have, you just compare the weapons. Last year, Galladay for five games. Marvin Jones, who was good but often injured. Amendola, Cephas is a rookie. Hawkinson. Now you have Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Deshaun Jackson for at least a couple games. Van Jefferson, who everyone's forgot about. Tutu Atwell, both second rounders. Tyler Higby and the best overall offensive tackle win rate player in Andrew Whitworth per pro football focus. So all of those things lead me to believe that even though he doesn't run like the elite rushing quarterbacks, we saw Tom Brady, we saw Ryan Tannehill last year. We saw Justin Herbert, who doesn't run too much yet, be elite week to week. I think Matt Stafford can be that guy too, and you're getting him in the middle rounds. He is He's in the eighth round on this particular projection, but I've seen him in the ninth, 10th, 11th, depending on how your league drafts quarterbacks. I'll go with Matt Stafford there all day long. Yeah, I think he's this year's Tom Brady. So I think he's going to be a guy, a veteran, goes to a good team, good coach, good skill position player. So I do like that a lot. Let's jump to my ninth round guy. And this one, uh, you know, lately doesn't feel too good. <laughs> so I was sitting there. I did some research on Jarvis Landry. I was thinking about switching. But I was like, you know what? Let's talk about Zach Moss. Now, the preseason game, the last one, you know, they came in. They threw the ball like 16 out of 17 plays. And basically, Zach Moss comes in the next series. and gets a couple carries. Doesn't look great. But hear me out on Zach Moss. So when you look at Zach Moss as early on in the season 2020, banged up, doesn't play a lot. But when you look at when he finally gets his feet under him, week 7 through 16, over that stretch with the Bills starters only playing a half of the game in week 17, that's why I do 7 to 16. He was 24th in carries, 12th in carries inside the 5, and he was the RB 28 over that range. So that's interesting to me. I'm like, okay, top 30 running back. Interesting stuff. As a rookie, banged up and injured. Great offense. A lot of opportunities, but it's those carries inside the 5, top 12, During that stretch, that's touchdown upside. I like that, especially in the ninth round. Weeks 14 through 16, right before that last week 17 game, he went three of those final four games. So week 14, 15, 16, I'm sorry, 13 to 16. Three of the final four games, he had at least 12 carries. So we started seeing him getting more consistent work. And plus, a lot of those carries were inside the five. So if you just look at his week 7 through 16, finally, stretch out, you know, he had Eight games in that time frame of 10-plus touches. He saw 50% of the snaps in six of those games. So I started seeing a little bit better production out of him, a little more usage out of him. And he started being you know, a top 30 back. So I just think if he can improve in his second season uh, with the Bills, and plus the Bills were ridiculously pass-heavy last year, if they kind of regress a little bit back to their norms with Brian Dayball. But Brian Dayball, I just want to make sure everyone understands this. Brian Dayball, before last year, wasn't a pass game guy. He was a run game guru. This guy is the architect of the Peyton Hillis Madden cover season. Peyton Hillis got a Madden cover because of Brian Dayball was his OC. Jamal Charles, who was an all pro elite running back, had one season of 1,500 yards. Guess what that guy was? It was Brian Dayball's rushing attack. And then finally, Reggie Bush's best rushing season of his entire career. Only one of 2,000-yard rushing campaigns came in Miami with Brian Dayball. So this guy has made Reggie Bush a thousand yard rusher. I think he can make Zach Moss a thousand yard rusher. I like it, man. We'll see him or Singletary. Again, they're both very talented individually. It's just a matter of the Bills using them, them staying healthy. And those guys being good only makes Josh Allen and the passing game that much better. So I like that call there. It's a deeper one, but I like that. I have my ninth round league winner, which I'm going to get into in one second. Before we do that, though, I want to give a shout out to our friend Evan 
from football absurdity. If there's anybody in here in the chat room, I know some of you are coming over from Twitch. You're finishing up his show. He's directed you over to our show. I want to give him a shout out real quick. So check it out. Twitch.tv forward slash football absurdity. Shouts out to our boy, Evan. Thank you for bringing the eyes on us, man. It's all about building the community. If you're new to us, this is the fantasy football focused network. And my name is Sky Guasco. Bobby Lamarco here with the Candlestick Kids fantasy football show and podcast. You can listen to us in podcast form. Of course, we're here with YouTube and join us. Sunday mornings, next Sunday and every Sunday morning, we're going to be live before kickoff, giving you your start sits. So come and join us over there. Shout out to our boy Evan and the Football Absurdity crew. Appreciate the love, my man. Thank you for tuning in. Okay, let's jump into my ninth round league winner, and that is Darnell Mooney. Now, full disclosure, yesterday we did our gamers and our players we will not draft, our my guys, if you will. Darnell Mooney was on the outside looking in, but he was my alternate last night that I didn't even get into. So Darnell Mooney is a guy in the ninth round that I think could be a league winner. Here's why. 4.38 40-yard dash speed. That's in the 95th percentile of all players. 4.38 40-yard dash speed. Tenth last year in unrealized air yards, basically deep balls that were uncatchable, essentially. He was 11th in deep ball targets last year. But one quarter of his targets were deemed uncatchable from, unfortunately, Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. So he was open constantly, had a deep target, but unfortunately the pass was offline. I think that improves tremendously this year with even Andy Dalton and then eventually Justin Fields. His average of 3.2 yards per separation off of the line of scrimmage and catching a pass, it's the same as Cooper Cup, Jarvis Landry, and Devontae Adams, who's going in the first round, who is my league winner in the first round. Yard of separation, 3.2, same as Cooper Cup, Jarvis Landry, and Devontae Adams, according to Next Gen Stats. 7.6 yards of cushion was the most in the NFL last year. So defenses are, are worried about him, right, because he's got that speed, and he's not going to get double covered because he's got an incredible Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver, Allen Robinson, on the other side. And now they're actually going to be worried about the run game and the deep passing attack as well with two more efficient quarterbacks. His 3.4 completed yards per attempt was 27th in the NFL. Again, horrible downfield accuracy with Trubisky and Foles. That elevates with Andy Dalton and eventually Justin Fields. I'm trying to get Darnell Mooney in the ninth, 10th round everywhere I possibly can. I just mentioned him early in the show about a guy I'm looking at, my, my favorite flex. Darnell Mooney has been that guy most of the time, Bobby, is my wide receiver five, and he might end up with wide receiver two numbers. It, look at us, because my 10th round guy is the fourth guy I couldn't get to last night. There it's you Tyler go. Higby. All right, listen, when it comes to Tyler Higby, I, I get it. I get all the arguments. You know, he disappointed last year. He's been a disappointment forever, blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to kind of dive into – this one I might take a little bit longer. I apologize in advance because I had a lot of things to say yesterday. So, first of all, number one I love about uh, Sean McVay is he was a tight ends coach. He's a tight ends background. And this concept that he does not use tight ends is not true. Number one, the Rams have been 6th and 11th in team fantasy points at the tight end position each of the last two years. So, right there, they're in the top one-third of the NFL in producing points. The problem was Everett and him split work 50-50 last year. When we saw that Everett left, I'll get into those stats in a second, but let's take a look at Sean McVay. The first pick he made as a head coach in the organization for the Rams was a second-round pick of Gerald Everett. They wanted Gerald Everett to be their new Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed was the guy playing with uh, Sean McVay in the, for the Washington football team right before the left. Jordan Reed had some big-time seasons, but also – with Sean McVay, he was under Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan before Jay Gruden. They had top five season from Chris Cooley, top six season from Fred Davis, tight end nine from Jordan Reed, tight end one from Jordan Reed, and tight end one in points per game in 2016 from Jordan Reed as on that staff. So Jordan Reed was a dominant force under Sean McVay as offensive coordinator for the Washington football team. And the first thing they do is go get Gerald Everett. Well, the interesting thing is they let Jared Everett walk and they gave $4 million, I mean, four years, $29 million to Tyler Higby. Sky says this all the time, follow the money. Well, guess who what? Darren Waller just got the same exact contract from the Raiders that Tyler Higby had a couple of years ago from the Rams. So it shows that they believed in Higby and they let Everett walk. 
Now let's talk about this, the 2019 season without Gerald Everett, the weeks 13 through 17. I know everyone's like, well, that's just, you know, everything. Gerald Everett was not there. Gerald Everett is gone. Okay. In the five games that he played without Gerald Everett, he had 11 targets per game, but he averaged 17.1 points per game. Do you know who else averaged 17.1 points per game in half point PPR? Yeah. It seems Travis Kelsey. That's how good he was when he got those targets last year. Now, in 2020, if you look at the games that Gerald Everett played 50% of the snaps or less, that came out to six games, Tyler Higby in those games, just in 2020, where everyone thought he was he was, he was a bust, he averaged nine points per game. Okay, That would have been eighth, and he was also eighth in fantasy points, converting fantasy points from targets last year. So right there just tells me, I love it. Now, Jacob Harris. Everyone wants to talk about Jacob Harris. You know that great quote from Sean McVay? Jacob Harris is going to be the new Gerald Everett. You know what Sean McVay said? Oh, he's going to be great on special teams. Yeah, that's the guy that everyone thinks that he's going to replace Gerald Everett. Not going to happen. That's why. And, of course, it's, it's you know Matthew Stafford. Tight end one seasons from Brandon Pettigrew, Eric Ebron, and TJ Hawkinson. He is a absolute league winner in the 10th round. I love it, man. And you're sticking to your guns. You've been Tyler Higby early on last year. You and I connected for a tight end episode at this time last year. You were all over Logan Thomas. I literally remember saying on that episode, Logan Thomas strolling through the pit. Like, isn't he a quarterback for the Cardinals? Nope. He's a tight end for the Washington football team. Keep an eye on him. Boom. He ends up Logan Thomas this year. Bobby has the late round tight end whisperer down. Follow it. All right. My final late round league winner in the 10th round. I'm going to go with Jordan Delavalle, who was on for our episode just a couple of days ago, had a bold prediction. His crazy call was that Jalen Hurts might be the number one overall quarterback, period. Not a QB1, the QB1. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I love him in the 10th round. Again, the rushing upside, you can't buy it. It's incredible what he offers with the upside. He started four and a half games last year, 24 and a half fantasy points, which was fifth among quarterbacks who played four and a half games. Dak played that 60 plus rush yards for his floor. He had over 100 in his first start last year, full offseason as a starter with his weapons, bringing Devonta Smith, obviously. In three full starts last year, he was the QB 12, QB 1, and the QB 12. So you're drafting him at his floor in the 10th round as the QB 12 off the board and his ceiling, in my opinion, is top five. And according to Jordan, potentially the number one quarterback, if all the chips fall, he's certainly a risk, but the upside far outweighs the risk at the 10th round. And he might even be your QB two potentially, depending on how your league does it outside of fields and Lance, in my opinion, at this point, nobody offers the upside, especially on the ground that Jalen hurts does. I think he could be a league winner in the 10th round. All right. We are going to just mention very quickly, Bobby, we have gone way in the weeds on, on 20 yeah. different guys. I hope we have given a lot of value to the listeners and viewers here, but Bobby, if you had any alternates here from the 11th round through the 40th round, who are maybe just a name or two that could also be a league winner way deep on the pot in case anything were to happen. So I put Terrace Marshall and, and Deshaun Jackson. Um, so Terrace Marshall, for me, really comes down to the fact that Curtis Samuels vacating a very prominent role last year in this offense, 97 targets. But you're also infusing a guy who is 6'2", 205, who had 23 touchdowns the last two seasons at LSU, plus Terrence Mars, uh, Terrace Marshall. Terrace Marshall, sorry, is not – he's actually not a true rookie because he knows Joe Brady's offense from LSU, which is why he earned that slot role and David Moore just got cut. The other guy is Deshaun Jackson. We're talking about deep name. I just think two plus two equals four. Matthew Stafford plus Deshaun Jackson equals, you know, just in the last two seasons, some stat lines, eight, 154 and two, 181 and one. That's what Deshaun Jackson could offer playing with Matthew Stafford, who was one of only seven quarterbacks last year to attempt 60 or more deep passes and have a passer adjusted completion percentage of 45% or better. So he's an elite deep ball thrower. Deshaun Jackson, an elite deep threat. I think he's just worth a stash and see if he stays healthy. Just got to stay healthy. Fire him up in week one. At least you yeah. get one week out of him. All right, I'm going to get mine two really quick. And then we did have a request from the chat. Bobby, if you could get your guys lined up and just blast them out for people that joined late to give a high overview of our names of league winners, I want to review those quick before we get out of here, and I'll give mine as well. 
All right, my guys in the 11th round or later, Trey Lance and Justin Fields, same argument. Look, here's the deal. Lance will split work with Jimmy as long as Jimmy is healthy and productive. We know that. They've come out and said that. It's like a two-quarterback system, whatever. But he'll be the full-time quarterback sooner than later, in my opinion. The 49ers have a bye in week six. If Jimmy's not 4-1 and one or 5-0, and oh, I think they go to Lance. Number two fantasy quarterback schedule overall, and they have Cincinnati, Atlanta, Tennessee, and Houston. For the fantasy football playoffs in Houston in the championship, fire up Trey Lance. Fields could be the starter as early as week two if Andy Dalton gets roughed up by the Rams defense, which I think will happen. And Fields, like Lance and Jalen Hurts, has a tremendous rushing upside. Two great wide receivers, Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. Draft either or both of these quarterbacks as your QB2 or your QB3. Just be patient and be willing to wait it out. Again, I always give rookies one month. On my bench, if I'm willing to draft him, I'm willing to wait a month to see what happens to see if they break us. If they don't, I drop them. As long as your QB1 is solid, you can wait for the first half of the season. These guys could bring you home a championship if they're playing up to potential in the second half, but you have to be patient. Justin Herbert was not drafted in fantasy leagues last year, didn't even start till week two on accident, ended up winning people leagues. Bob, let's run it out here before we get out of here. Give me your 10 guys here just in order. Blast them out for us. All right, Austin Eckler is my round one guy. Round two is A.J. Brown. Round three is Terry McLaurin. Round four is Deontay Johnson. Round five, Javante Williams. Round six is Daryl Henderson. Round seven is Trey Sermon. Round eight is Corey Davis. Round nine, Zach Moss. And round 10 is Tyler Higby. Round one for me, Devontae Adams. Round two, D.K. Metcalf. Round three, George Kittle, round four, Kyler Murray, round five, Chase Edmonds, or excuse me, Chase Edmonds, Chase Claypool, I apologize. Number six, Dak Prescott, seventh round, Antonio Brown, eighth round, Matt Stafford, ninth round, Darnell Mooney, and 10th round, Jalen Hurts, and then Trey Lance and Justin Fields as my alternates. If you just joined us and you're late, feel free to watch it back on YouTube, listen to the podcast, rewind it back, double check, and get these in here. These can be guys that can win you the league where you draft them. I know we're coming in crunch time on our drafts. And the next episode you hear from us is officially week one of the fantasy football season. Bobby, you and I have been grinding, bro, since the Super Bowl. It yeah. feels good to be at the finish line, man. I'm very, very excited. Make sure everybody goes and gives us a follow and a support here on the Fantasy Focus Networks. That's on Facebook, on YouTube, on Periscope, and on Twitch. And, of course, you can find Bobby and I on Twitter as well at our names, Sky Guasco and Bobby Lamarco. And make sure you please also subscribe to the YouTube channels, but find us on the podcast as well. So when you're out and about or you miss a show, we do every single podcast back to you. Leave us a rate and review. A five-star review is much, much appreciated. Helps us out as well. We also just found out that we're in the top 20, 25 of fantasy football independent podcasts. We want to boost that for next year. Help us out, and we'll catch you next Sunday. Bob, any final words before we get out of here, my man? Make sure next time you guys see us, you're there. Start, sit every single Sunday live with me, Bucky, Sky, and Rye. So we're really excited for this, guys, this year from 7 to 10 a.m. PST, 10 to 1 p.m. EST. Guys, we're going to be there for three hours giving you start, sit questions. So join us every Sunday. This episode and every episode is brought to you by Bet Online and Play Action Pools. Go check them out. We'll catch you next time. Bobby and Sky with the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Shouts out to everybody in the chat room. We'll catch you next time. We are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.